So um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, what's a hit to the head, what's not a hit to the head, you know, watching replays of things. So I want to start this off by watching a replay, and I want you to tell me if this is, in fact, uh, a definitive okay. hit to the head, okay? Oh, my God! She's <laughs> fine. She's fine. Pain. So for those listening, uh, <clears throat> don't lift things alone when it says two people. So uh, this girl was trying to lift something off of a, uh, a dolly. All those things, a dolly. Yes, thank you. And uh, drops it back on the dolly, and it just snaps forward it's and like, whacks her in the oh. head. And uh, let's oh let's watch that again for the replay. Since we're talking about <gasps> oh my god. <sighs> It's like when you see the clips of someone stepping on a rake, but in this sense, it's an appliance dolly literally whacking her at the speed of light. <laughs> oh my god. That has to be concussion protocol, man. Like, oh, that, that sucks. Also, I think you might be coming through the wrong microphone. Can you check that real quick? I'm sorry to do this live, but... I just noticed I'm hearing some, like, spatial noise. Perhaps, but I cannot change the settings while we record, so I have to exit. Don't hate me! Don't hate me! Okay. That's fine. So, uh, let's, let's watch some more clips in the meantime. So, uh, if you missed this one last time, this is a great one. A little, uh, life hack for your toaster. Sometimes you feel like there's no hope left in the world, and then... You see something like this and you go like, you know what? We're gonna be okay. We're gonna fucking be okay. We are gonna be okay, but uh ah here step is back. Better? Are we much better? Oh much thank you for better. doing that. Much oh, better. Much better. You. Oh my god. Did you see uh Jimbo's gonna be on All Stars 8? I did not, and I am behind with RuPaul, so Oh, I didn't. Even, I don't even know the re, the winner of the U.S. series yet. I think we did not finish the finale. Anyway, let's start the show and we'll talk some hockey. We got a lot to get to. The Leafs won. They won it. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now your starting lineup: Roscoe, the finalist. Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. All right, what up, Mad Owls? We are back. This is Leafs Late Night, where it's never too late for the Leafs presented by Inside the Rank. Coming to you a day late because uh, that game went into overtime and really late, and I'm an hour and a half ahead. And speaking of being an hour and a half ahead, I have a new background this time. Do you love my grandma walls? I was going to say, you have the Chesterfield, as they call it out there, and the grandma um, <laughs> wallpaper. Yeah, no, it's pretty on cue with the the vibes. This entire room looks like this. Like, here, just real quick. You're going to see. <laughs> look, how, look how old and like grandma. Where is house. grandma? Grandma's gone. Oh. So no. apparently... Um, <laughs> My boss who owns this place is the first one not in the original family to own this house. So they Ooh. all live like next door and stuff still. It's crazy. 
Fancy. Crazy. I bet the uh, audio is great in there with the carpeting and the wallpaper and no. There's so many layers of it. So many layers. One of the things I noticed, because there's places where the wallpaper is peeling off, is it's like redone. So there's the same wallpaper underneath it, or it was like painted on or something, or the original work is unable to be fixed. So it was just kind Ooh. of replicated and plastered on top of it. Oh, uh, sounds about right. Uh, by Newfie standard. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, man. But the houses are cheap because you got to put a ton of work into them. Yeah. So, I wanted to start with something fun. And um, this came up in a conversation. So a friend of mine, his dad is a Boston Bruins fan. Shout out. Um, <laughs> so he was asking me uh, about buying tickets for a game. And he said, you know, I wanted to get something and I don't know what round to get it for. And I said, wait, can you buy tickets for rounds that haven't started yet? Is that a thing? I thought the tickets didn't get released until the games were needed, right? Like we don't even know when the game is going to be or like what time. Yeah, not on Ticketmaster anyway. No. So <clears throat> he's telling me, you know, on StubHub, you can buy them and it says if the game is not needed, they'll refund you. Ooh. Isn't that crazy that like it's an insane business idea from StubHub to be like, let's just get an immediate influx of cash so we can do things. And if it doesn't happen, like they have the money to, to give that back. But like, you know, on paper, having more cash to spend on advertising and you know pushing more ticket sales for the playoffs as it actually happens is just going to drive up the price of those tickets as they sell so oh my god that's smart because they probably keep the fees that they charge to make the transaction so at the end of the day they're making money and think about how many times some of these tickets could change hands before the game actually happens right like it's they're just going to quadruple their money on these like it's crazy Wow. So with that, uh, I have StubHub open here. Not a, not a sponsor, I swear. Um, <laughs> so the next game is at Amelie Arena in Tampa. How much yeah. do you think the cheapest tickets are in, in Canadian dollars to go to that game? Hmm. Yeah, they won the cup twice back to back. So it obviously boosted up even though they're in Florida cheapest i'm gonna say maybe 90 dollars. oh come on it's playoffs okay <laughs> i was being way too generous okay 140 so uh, you're still being way too generous so it's oh. 170 dollars okay Canadian for the cheapest tickets there in the 300s right now uh what do you think the highest one is oh so 170 i would go 850. Okay. Well, the highest I can find here is, what's that? 700. It, it's a little tough to like filter by most expensive. I can just tap on the, uh, the sections, but you yeah. can sit in the 100s for $600. Okay. Okay. Similar what to do you think? What do you think game six in Toronto tickets are selling for? cheapest oh okay every game the price goes up it's just an immediate and trend. they're way more expensive in toronto yeah cheapest 250 and what do you think the most expensive are 1300 okay so the cheapest i can find 
are $396 for the 300s. Yeah. Um, the most I can find here. What do we got? Uh, I'm seeing $7,300 for section 119 row 11 per ticket per ticket. Uh, section. Oh, oh my God. Section 107 row 10. $17,000 per ticket. Verified resale. They all are, right? I wonder what it is through StubHub. Is this ticket? This is StubHub. Oh, this is. Okay, so you can do that on StubHub as well. And wow. Okay. So just for fun, what do you think? That's all StubHub is. It's just resales. Uh, Just for fun, what do you think? The last game you can buy here, TBD at Toronto Maple Leafs, Stanley Cup Finals, home game four, if necessary. What do you think the tickets cost? <sighs> Most expensive or? Uh, I There's only, which is hilarious, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 tickets, at least in pairs available. <laughs> 40 seats available. That's all that's left, No, guys. I mean, like, there's 20, 20 <laughs> seats in Imagine, pairs. though. Like, so what yeah. do you what do you think these are going for? Okay. Um oh my god. I got to say like around 10 grand. Okay, so for section 307, $5,770 a ticket. Oh my god. For section 118 row 14, there are uh and this isn't just like a one off. So section 319 lower section section 115 and section 118 these tickets are 34 to 38 thousand dollars each oh my god this is insane there's another one here uh section and yes i did say section 319 by the way there's a parent 319 for 34 grand 310 for 26 grand 101 for 10 grand these are the only ones available so people have bought tickets at so, these stupid prices on just on contingency because these games might not happen obviously so you're telling me that single seats are more expensive than a whole regular season package like yes. season seats oh my god that's painful yeah so actually what did i i remember pulling this up once um by comparison for season for full season tickets for the Ottawa Senators, one hundred glass level is ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So it's a third the price of going to one uh, Stanley Cup playoff game. Game four. I mean, it could be depending on the situation. They they four sweep, but like that's insane to put that kind of money down on like. Obviously, you get refunded, but I'm sure there's some fee that you don't get refunded, and I can't imagine what that fee is on $36,000 tickets. Imagine it's all uh, celebrities like Drake and Bieber just holding on to these tickets. Maybe Bieber bought them for all his friends. Well, people that have season tickets do have first dibs at their own seats, I think, at a certain price. Like I know there's yeah. some, some plan in there. Um, so what I wanted to move into from this uh, before we get into the game still uh, is some things around the game. So obviously a lot of uh, attention has been put on this interaction between Kyle Dubas and some fans. And 
the way that ties in is it is cheaper to see a game at Amelie Arena, obviously, and we've seen a lot more excitement, especially even in Scotiabank Arena. Like people have been really into it, and, and uh, I think it's what we, we like to see. You know, after a couple of years of not having fans there, everybody getting really into it and showing their passion for their team is is good. Um, as far as hockey goes, I think we've all been asking for more from players uh, and more from from everybody surrounding it as far as broadcasters go and um, you know having fun with this because it's a little too serious of a game and conservative mm-hmm. and it seems like every time whether it's a player or a GM or a coach or a broadcaster anybody says something that's a little you know over the line by hockey standards or tries to have fun it's like no 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 go back in line I cannot figure out what people want because I don't see anything wrong with Kyle Dubas yelling down at some fans that are yelling at him. Like, obviously, he's not going to start these things. He's the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's there in his yeah. booth. People are clearly yelling at him. Everyone has their phones out of the recording. You know, he's not going to say something stupid, A, because everyone's recording, B, because he's a professional. He's just engaging in a fun back and forth because he's passionate about his team, just as these Lightning fans are passionate about theirs. Like, yeah. it, it, I see nothing wrong with this, but that's kind of my long-winded intro. I want to hear what you think about it. All I got to say is that I did not have on my 2023 bingo card to see Dubis swearing at Bolts fans and actually going back and forth with them. Like, I guess we're so used to in the Scotiabank Arena not even being possible because he's way up high, you know, with commentators and such. But this time around... I say good on him. I mean, it is entertainment wise, but I do see the perspective that it's not very professional, especially like where where do you draw the line? I, I don't like that he was swearing at fans. He could have, you know, not done that and just ignored them, but they were yeah. right there. You're like, going to fucking know is the only thing that we've been able to decipher from people's videos. If anybody is a better lip reader and uh, you know listener of shitty quality audio than i am please let me know what you can find i tagged a john boy hopefully he does something but he's not much into hockey so what i got was uh you're a fucking hero yeah you're a hero eh and saying f you a bunch but i don't i'm just shocked that they're so close and obviously it's not out of the blue like if it were me i'd be pissed like i i was hoping to see spetsa's face in the reaction but all of the videos didn't catch his face in there I don't know. I just like if if I'm a fan and the other team's GM is there and I start yelling and they start engaging back like that enhances my viewing experience as a fan there. Like if they just ignore me, it's like, ah, whatever. Fuck him. Like, you know, you just you tried and it's like, man, like, why can't people have fun is the sentiment that I would be sitting there with. Like, why don't you like there's so many people yelling at you and you can obviously hear and see them like don't just sit there and ignore them to try to be you know, in your high castle there. So I think it's nice that he did what he did. I know people are going to look at it whatever way they want, but I see it as increasing the entertainment value for the people that are there and the people maybe that are watching too. Like I made the comparison to pro wrestling. Like it's all, everything around the the game itself is just as important as the game, right? Like creating storylines and, and, you know, having um, rivalries, like that's what makes the game more exciting, right? And that's what we've been asking for from broadcasters to highlight more is, you know, what is the storyline here of this game? You know, who should we be watching? You know, what guys don't like each other and have a history? What player came from the other team and has something to prove? 
you know, this, this is exactly what I want to see to bring people into the game. Well, look at the game before last, right? Uh, yellow sweater guy. And every it's implanted in everyone's heads now that there was a yellow sweater guy arguing with the players in the box. And it's just shit went down. The game was so intense that something like that happened. This game, game three, was super intense to the point, you know, you have fans yelling at Dubis, go back to Canada. And like, obviously, it's going to trigger him. His team is fighting to tie up the game and they fortunately do within the last minute of play and of course you know ot it's only been nightmares in our recent memories so lot was on the line like game three was a statement game in my opinion like the leafs really needed to get up 2-1 in this series and you know what dubis said fuck you to a couple fans who cares man like at the end of the day it's said and done i'm surprised there was no fine from Oh, one of God. the management staff. No, but like if it wasn't Dubis, I thought it would have been Keith for his comments post game. Like I thought it would be one or the other, but it didn't happen. There are no fines were issued except for Lafferty, Sam Lafferty yeah. getting the fine for the high stick there. But interesting last, to see. My last thing on Dubis is just that, like, honestly, it didn't go that far. And if it had gone any further, like say someone throws a drink up at him and he has to dodge it, that clip is on TSN and ESPN's top 10 for like the next 10 years. Yeah. Like it, it would be viewed in a completely different way. And this kind of stuff happens in other sports, especially basketball, because of how close people are to the team and the, the coaching staff. You know, people get in these things and get tossed out by security and, you know, throw stuff at each other. And I think this was relatively tame as far as what we've seen from the the sports world as a whole. Yes. Um, I look, we've, we talked on this show about soccer fans throwing flares onto the field, and like, <laughs> like insane shit happening in other sports. Like this is nothing. This is a guy who's up in a box having a fan exchange, you know, like if the, the fans were annoyed, they would have talked to security or like I said, start throwing things or, you know, getting angry, but they weren't angry. They were just like, no exactly right like the, i don't know what the word is but they were just aggravating emotionally charged about their team like they were just into the game they weren't frustrated or angry so and i thank them for rounding up our our boys dubis and spez because i'm sure the reaction wouldn't be as good as it was when ryan o'reilly scored that o or the the tying goal and then riley in ot oh my god those two clips are gold just pump that right into my veins seriously like the the reaction from spezza and the ot oh my that's this is the definition of every fan in leafs nation like the just how pumped they were to see this happen the final minute of the o overtime period like after 19 minutes of you know it was tough this was a rough game the leafs should have not stolen it based on so many factors but the the fact that they did and even Keith saying in his post media interview that you know the team has not been like this in years past that didn't end last night you know they pulled it out they were certainly bent but they didn't break and all credit to the boys because Tampa gave it everything that they had yeah honestly that game was not one that they win last year or the year before like the the team has never been able to really fight their way back when they they get deflated and win games that they don't deserve to like that's never been who the Leafs are um yeah. and I think this was a real turning point for proving that 
you know, when it looks like they're down and out and, you know, being hemmed in and really being dominated all game by the lightning after giving up that two, nothing lead. Uh, it was, it was nice to see them rally behind, you know, there was the, the Matthews fight and uh, all these other scrums that happened that really shifted the tide of the game and, and showed that they, they weren't giving up. And you know, again, just nice to see from these guys, different team. So, so nice. This is proof that this team has matured, especially the core themselves, right? Like so many things happened during game three. No one expected, like you said, the Matthews fight. Oh my God, like what the hell? And then Vasilevsky coming into that night. 21 and two following a playoff loss since 2020. So obviously the demons are in our mind and we're just thinking, damn, first road game. Like, how is this going to go Their Their fans are in their lawn chairs outside thinking that this is going to be an easy one, <laughs> but our fans are just super pumped. Yeah. It seems like the weakness they've found in Vasilevsky is trying to squeak one through on that first or second shot. Like, you know, the early game, he's not as on as he is, you know, by shot 10, 15, 20, 25. Like those first couple shots are where you can maybe get a, a cheap one on him. And then yeah. from there, he's a little thrown off. And I didn't realize that was his uh, his Achilles heel, but I think they found it. And it's not something that you can really adjust to once you figure it out. It's just like, oh, shit. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't do that. So can't unless, do that. He, unless he finds his confidence, it's going to be... Uh, an interesting next couple of games. The trend has been lately, you know, even during the regular season, but during this series, game one, Tampa Bay scored within the first 78 seconds and they really set the tone of the game and they won that game. Game two, Toronto happens to score 47 seconds into the game. And you know what? That is a huge advantage for the team. They can go with the momentum, even though, hey, the Leafs played like shit, especially during the second period. Oh, my God. Just like we're I'm just glad that they were able to get ahead and getting that go ahead goal like um, in the first period there by Achari. And man, it's just different. It just feels a little different not to you know, hype myself up too much. But the fact, like you said, closing it out and, oh, you know, we're 2-0 and with Nyes in the lineup too, eh? Yeah, and uh, like you mentioned Achari's goal, he had the pretty nice assist there carrying it over the line, which is something that I was, and Sethi was mentioning in our group chat, I was getting frustrated with watching them just dump and chase all night. And uh, to see him actually, you know, start to carry it over the line and make a pass to the slot to Achari, like that was uh, a shift in how they were going to start playing this game because they were just getting absolutely hemmed in and it was just a matter of being able to change lines because guys kept getting stuck out there for a minute and a half two minutes and it was like okay we just got to dump it in and hope we don't ice it so we can change and then it was the lightning right back in again so it was a really tough game for them I gotta say though I applaud Keith for not changing the lineup even though before the game he teased he teased us all saying you know there may be there might be lineup changes he wouldn't give anything away and then you see Lilligren and Simmons taking the um the warm-up and you're like oh shit is Simmer playing on this fourth line are we gonna see Lillian because they did the same for game two but it was just a little tease and this roster squeaked it out again and i i just appreciate that because i felt like in previous series there were too many line jumbling like too much line jumbling and then they kind of drop it or i don't know I'm, I'm just glad that they ran it back from game two 
Yeah, I feel like the one that starts changing lineups is the the team that feels like they're not winning the series. Like they're the ones that have to try to change something to get ahead. Like if things are working, you don't change that. I mean, there is some overthinking that can happen there where you're trying to keep the, your opponent on your toes, and I get that. But I feel like Keith has really settled into, you know, if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, and if it ain't broke, honestly, this line, this third line of Nyes, Achari, and Ryan O'Reilly clearly works because they, um, together with Nyes, he played the longest uh out of all of his line mates, I mean, in the third period, uh, Keefe was switching it up and giving him a lot more shifts with the core. But getting that primary assist on the Achari goal, what a beautiful play. I mean, setting up the pass in the neutral zone with Achari and then Ryan O'Reilly. Like, it looks so simple and easy. And that's exactly what need, they need to do to win the series. Just sometimes break it down, you know, control the puck, keep possession, enter the zone, a couple quick passes in. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially like Vasilevsky's a guy who is really good at stopping pucks when there's five people in front of him and it's moving around and he can track it. And it's like, okay, it's going here. Then it might go to this guy. He, he's like Zach, Zach Galifianakis with all the numbers in front of him. He's very calculated. So when things are simple, it seems to throw him off. Like I said, the first couple minutes or just somebody skating and, and shooting it right through the middle like that, it seems to be the thing that he's not as good at, at least, yeah. you know, from, from these last couple games. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, because we brought it up, the fight, the fight, the fight. The, everybody's talking about, you know, is this really a fight? Matthew's gloves didn't come off. You know, he kind of got his ass handed to him. The way I saw this was the same way that most of these fights in the series have happened, where it's the Leaf has no choice but to take it because they're getting punched in the face. And uh, there's no instigator penalty. And as we read the definition of, there should be in all of these, but whatever. Um, fun, though, that it's the first fight between two 60-goal scorers. I just wish that uh, it was a little more, I don't know, proper, fair, yeah, this whole sequence, just the whole third period, all of the penalties happened on the sequence. In total, you know, 20 minutes of penalty time, and it was all started with Riley, you know, driving point into the boards or however you want to phrase it. If you're a Bolts fan, you think it's boarding. If you're a Leaf fan, you probably think it wasn't Riley's fault whatsoever. I wanted to get to that. I know I'm kind of jumping behind, but right. that's why Perry kind of did what he did, you know, because he, his his response in the post media was like, hey, if that happened to Matthews or Marner, I would expect the exact same response. But the fact was Matthews, who has never fought in his career, <laughs> was simply cleaning up the ice because he's not looking to fight anyone. Marner's standing right beside him and he was kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> and one glove off. While talking to the official, Perry just starts pounding on Matthews right after he had a cheap shot against Ryan O'Reilly, another cheap shot against Riley. He chickens out against Shin and then goes right after Matthews. How is that okay? Like, I, I don't understand how Perry is just allowed to uh, throw on the Perry the platypus disguise and the refs just go, where's Perry? Like, 
I don't know. The guy's he's just invisible. I don't know why everyone's angry. I didn't see anything. The play by Riley was reviewed because this is a new, you know, rule by the league. If it's a, if it will affect the play, they can review the penalty if there's a penalty or not. After well, no, they review, can, they can only review a major penalty, and they can only take a penalty down. They can't put it up. So they called a major so that they could review it. Yes. To see if it was, in fact, boarding or not. And upon review, and like they said in the broadcast, he didn't hit him on the numbers. It was a shoulder check as the guy's turning, and he just happens to go down. Like, in, it's so hard in a fast game to determine intention with something like this, but it's pretty clear in this that, you know, had they kept going on the trajectory they were when Riley started this, it would have just been a slam into the boards. But it's because point turns right as Riley hits him that he goes down the way he does. And like, yeah, it's not pretty. And I hope like, I hope points. Okay. It looked like he might've broken a rib or something. Cause he started to skate away and then went down holding his, uh, his rib area. He so, came back. He came yeah, back and played. He can, you can play with a broken rib. I mean, we saw fucking Patrice Bergeron play with like a punctured lung <laughs> and a broken rib last time. So True. it's one of those things where if you're on enough, painkiller and adrenaline like you can make it through on that but he's definitely playing through something now it's no secret that it was a horrible thing to watch just the way he fell it was awkward as hell it was head first you watch his neck kind of snap but you have to slow down the video and see riley's movement on the play because yes riley is toe-to-toe with him right behind him but it looks like point loses an edge and goes down awkwardly which was determined by the official as well upon review. And the only penalty that Riley got was the roughing two-minute call on Kucherov after Kucherov, you know, dogpiles him to have his revenge because, of course, their first-line center is going down. Fine. But the whole Perry thing, like, that was kind of uncalled for because you already had your cooch going after our boy and everything else going on. That was just, I don't know. Like, I get why their emotions are high. They've had a lot of guys hurt from unfortunate incidents, right? Like, it's it's kind of similar to when the Leafs lost to Veras in that, you know, obviously it was Perry, but it wasn't something on purpose. It was just a, a freak accident. There have been a lot of freak accidents that have left Lightning players hurt within games or injured. So I get why they're <clears throat> a little on edge. But have you ever seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? No. So it's a horror movie where these two guys are like, you know, out in the backwoods of their cabin. And it's kind of like a, a twist on your typical horror movie cliche where instead of them being these serial killers, like this group of teens show up and they it's set up in a way that like you'd think these two guys are going to, you know, pick them off one by one. And the kids think that because of how it's, you know, they keep bumping into them and stuff in these strange situations. But the, mm. because they're afraid of them, it's like, they'll see them and then run away and land in a wood chipper and die. So like they're killing themselves by being afraid of these guys that are completely innocent. And they're just like trying to save these kids, but they think they're murderers. So they keep getting themselves hurt. And that's how I kind of feel about this, where it's like, everybody's calling, you know, Oh, the Leafs are a dirty team. It's like, okay, well, no, it's a lot of things are happening that are accidents that compounded within three games look like we're, playing dirty but like i don't see anybody really going out of their way to make dirty plays like there's been an extra shove here from and there from shen and mccabe and you know maybe some hits that are a little high but 
it's not like there haven't been from the Lightning either. I mean, there was no whistles at all in that overtime for a reason. I already have a take it back or run it back, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm so used to per Perry being a little dirty rat that I keep calling Stamkos Perry in this situation. This was Steven Stamkos. I was going to say, it was who Stamkos fought. fought Matthews. Yes, it was Steven. I'm so sorry, everyone. You've probably been cringing this entire time I've been saying Perry. But no, it's Steven Stamkos, which just makes it so freaking unbelievable, right? And But I mean, he has been yelling from the bench and been the most vocal, aggravated person, right? Like Stamkos and Kucherov can, they do it in spurts, right? Like they'll snap and start doing some, um, you know, cowardly jumping of people but perry's somebody that's just always been on and it seems like he's extra pissed off and i'm just saying like i get it but i think it's kind of misplaced and for the wrong reasons like i just he's allowed to be because yes their players keep getting hurt and in a sport situation i would be too um but really like watch all these things back they're 90 percent accidents yeah but the response here, the fact that he went after Matthews, I think is complete bullshit. Um, it, Matthews obviously didn't do anything. And he already chickened out against, you know, the uh, shin there and had his hit on Riley. It just bothers me that was this was all right in front of the ref while having a conversation. Literally, Stamkos is talking to the ref the entire time. He's feeding Stamko or Matthews in the face and he's yeah. watching him go down. Like, but they'll complain about, you know, oh, you didn't get called for that trip and their fans start booing. It's like, guys, this is insane. The amount of things that are not getting called. But that's the other thing. The consistency of calls in this series has been a little weird. Like, we'll see, you know, seven penalties in a game and then it's like, oh, and then we're just going to put the whistles away for two periods. It's like, what? Are you calling <clears throat> shit or aren't you? Because you set a standard and then the Leafs will start playing, you know, expecting things to be penalties. And then the Lightning will start pushing that and seeing what they can get away with. They get away with it. And then mm -hmm. the Leafs retaliate and it's like, okay, well now there's too much. We have to call it. Like, Fuck off. One thing I do appreciate, which I do have to take back, um, on the Discord last night, I said I was disappointed in Mitch Marner not having his boys back when you know Matthews was fighting there. But later on, when you analyze like what like what penalties were handed out, it seems that if Marner were to react to the situation uh, against Radish, for example, because um, Leafs ended up with a power play at the end of the entire sequence. With I Matthews not... in the box, which sucks, but they still had a power play. Yeah, Matthews, Riley, O'Reilly in the box and what felt forever, right? Five-minute penalties there. But if Marner were to you know, speak up, it would be five-on-five five play. And on this power play, Ryan O'Reilly, or not on this power play, but nothing happened. I don't know. Sorry, I had my notes wrong for one sec. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you have to know when to handle your emotions, when to speak, when not to speak. And in this case, do you Marner have... Yeah, Marner made the right play, basically, is what you're saying, by by keeping his cool and being able to walk out of that with a power play for the Leafs. Even though it was uh, a tough situation having all those guys in the box, it's better to have that over the, the uh, Lightning than to, uh, like you said, go four on four. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just shocked, you know, the only power or the only penalties that were handed out in the third period were on this sequence. I felt like the, the refs were kind of letting everything go and at the end of the game 
Each team end with 18 penalty minutes aside. No one can convert on the power play. Uh, the Leafs had the dot in their favor. I mean, shout out to Ryan O'Reilly, who ends the night with 62% on the dot. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I want to, while we're talking about hits and penalties, what do you think of this uh, fine for Sam Lafferty? Yeah, so Sam Lafferty getting fined $3,108.11, <laughs> the maximum for the cross-check to Ross Colton. Honestly, when I watched it live, it was nasty. It was That was horrible. <laughs> Man, Sam, you cannot do that. <laughs> you cannot cross-check someone to the face right under the visor. So, yes, he deserves that fine. Yeah, I mean, fine, cool. That means that it probably would have been a... Uh like a, you know, maybe a one game suspension or something if it was regular season. Um, I think it, it's a dumb penalty to take, but um, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a little strange that it's the first fine we've seen handed out and only the second thing that we've seen Department of Player Safety um, handled besides the bunting suspension. So again, I'm not trying to be a, a conspiracy theorist, but it's like, Let's just be consistent. Like there's got to be, you're telling me there's nothing that's happened in any of these other games that's worthy of a fine or a suspension. Like if something else had happened, I'd be like, cool, but just be, be consistent. For sure. Um, Pretty sure Matt Martin completely took out someone during game one of their series. And then you had Lomberg, I believe, choking out a guy while fighting. Like there's been so many stupid plays that could have been preventable. And it's clear that anger and emotion gets to the players. But the Leafs have been the only penalized so far in the suspension and fine category, like you said. So you, you can't help but think because when you compare the same hits, for example, when Clifford was suspended last year, yeah. Maroon did the same shit on McCabe last game. Oh, but true. The, <laughs> the only difference was, was that Maroon and McCabe, they were not near the puck. Clifford, on the other hand, was near the puck. So which should be a suspension? Uh, probably Maroon's, but, you know. Somehow they just are allowed to get away with shit. I don't know. And the other difference. I don't want to be like that, but it seems that way sometimes. And I don't want to be like this way, but I, you know, after even reading Twitter and such, the other difference, McCabe didn't roll around on the ice like a little freaking baby. The guy got right back up and he didn't embellish the call. Like there was no call to begin with, but he could have freaking laid there and took a page from the Tampa notebook and try and get something because I'm sure their necks hurt by now with the amount of times they whip them back and forth. Like, come on. Yeah. Like here, let me just pull up. Who's been injured so far? Uh, Daily. I want to see here. Oh my Lordy. A lot of people. Holy shit. There's a lot of people injured. Never mind. I don't even want to go through this. Okay. <laughs> but a lot of people have been hurt. Like I've seen some neon knee collisions and stuff and uh Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh hear the hot mic on the bench between Shin, Jano, Maroon, Hagel? No. I saw Jano like yelling, but I couldn't really tell what was going on. So it got caught on the hot mic because the refs were around and Jano was like, Shinner, we're going again. Then Maru turns around to Shin is like, We're gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> And nice. then Shin says something, and then Hagel's like, who? 
I think Shin says that Jano is irrelevant. He's like, who? He's irrelevant? Holy fuck, you fucking stink. You fucking stink of everything. And then Shin, perfect response. At least I'm worth the fucking trade. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh. Oh, my ah, Boom. <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to say, this has been, that's such a boring exchange by, like, hockey standards, but that's so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, buddy. The last fucking... one-liner. That's fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Another thing I appreciated last night after the game was that when Keith was asked why the Leafs have stopped making Ilya Samsonov available to reporters, his response was, have you been talking to Vasilevsky this all at all through the series? The answer was no. They have not interviewed Vasilevsky yet. So why do you have your little entertainment? Because he's such a great interview. We all love to watch Sammy. But let this guy play some poker, watch some poker at home and get in the freaking zone here. We don't need you asking about every other thing that's going on in his brain. I mean, if you want a, a Russian goalie's response, ask Vasi. He has all the records. He has, you know, he's a proven goalie. Like, Pick his brain. What do they need to do to overcome the Leafs this time around? What do they need to do to, you know, stop, go past our wonderful Samsonov? Yeah. And I mean, from what I've seen of Samsonov so far, Samsonov, whatever, sorry, um, is that he seems like, obviously, there's um, some demons he's trying to exercise himself, not having the best uh, playoff record. So... I, I can tell that he's definitely trying really hard. Like it's not as calm and collected as he was in the, in the regular season. You can tell he's like, you know, playing, a, play, overplaying some saves. Like, you know, I can see him a lot farther out of the net than we did. Um, even in the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, coming out of the net a bit more, you know, maybe hesitating on who to pass to and losing it a couple of times out of the net there. But as for as many, of these one or two goals that you wish you had back from him in these, in the first three games so far, he has made some spectacular saves and been the reason that they've been able to have a fighting chance to come back when they've been behind. Like it's the, he's really showing that he deserves to be there regardless of how he feels. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of him getting out of his own head and tightening up some of those little things. And they're going to have a really solid team. Honestly, way to go, Samsonov, from going from a first shaky period where you end the period with total four goals and, you know, media is questioning him. He's out of position. Something seems off, yada, yada. And then you face Tampa in the second period who have 15 shots on net, but they dominated. Oh, my God. It was just such a high, intense period not in the Leafs favor and to come back and even though T Tampa only had three shots in the third period Samsonov shut the door like he was there he was reliable he was confident it's like two complete narratives in the same game at first people are downing him and at the end he saves the day he like Tampa got Samsonov he was the brick wall and nothing but smiles yeah, and I mean, it's hard to fault him for some of the bad goals because they've come when the team is playing bad in front of him, right? Like when Tampa's able to hold them in the end for a long time or when they give one up at the blue line and there's an odd man rush. Like it's it's not usually his fault, but there's just some times where he's, like you said, looked like he's overplaying and out of position a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think overall he's been um, better than any 
goaltender in the playoffs we've had recently. And I think that's what counts, right? Like yeah. as much as we've had good performances from others in the regular season or whatever it is, I think this is the, the best goaltending we've had in the playoffs and that's all that matters. Yeah. And speaking of better play in playoffs, man, the person that comes to mind is Ryan O'Reilly and what this guy has brought to this team. Uh, now he has 16 points in 16 games for the Leafs. And, you know, that that uh, that goal to really seal the deal in the third period and bring us to overtime, man, just the IQ to using his left skate to push or push the puck to his blade and going over Vasilevsky, man, like, Oh, just the energy on this goal and what he brings to this team, it, it's like a whole new identity. Yeah, you can tell that he's really bought into the entire team and the idea of, like, you know, this is a winning team and I'm here to help make that happen. Like, I think I can, you know, I've made the right choice. You know, there's uh, obviously some guys were dealt to teams that ended up not making it or, you know, like we've like we heard with the exchange, like you mentioned with Jeannot and Shen, you know, there's... yeah. Some things don't always pan out the right way, but I think uh, I think O'Reilly really feels like he's doing what he was brought in to do, and I think that's a, a real confidence boost, and that's really showing because my God, this guy's dominant out there. The way that he's able, like we've never had a power forward like this. That's this much of a. I mean, obviously Matthews is becoming that, and as he gets older, will be more and more of that. But somebody that is already kind of this established and has that captain presence and is just throwing themselves around and confident to steal the puck from people and like, oh my God, just pushing to the net. It's not the kind of forward that we've had on the team. Like we have a lot of finesse guys, a lot of playmakers, a lot of deking guys, but it's like if Engvall was really, really good, (laughs) you know, if Engvall figured it all out, we would never have needed Ryan O'Reilly. Honestly, if Engvall figured it out and used his frame and his, you know, skills at a hundred percent every single night. That would be he would be a totally different player. But Ryan Maybe O'Reilly he will with his his opportunity in, <laughs> on the island, you know, Maybe. they're giving him some more minutes. But uh, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly clearly has the passion, just like Marner. You know, diving down on that shot on the Matthews tip there, like what a beautiful shot, play, pass, whatever you want to call it. But oh, yeah. Oh my God, Ryan O'Reilly, three points last night, five or five shots, three or three shots, three hits, three blocks. Like this guy's all over the place. And I was watching the Tampa feed and they were really hating on our D. Like our blue line was very disappointing to them, especially, you know, they were suggesting if our blue line doesn't chip in, there's no way the Leafs can move further in the series. Uh, the blue line is super important. You can't play three on three hockey. Well, I guess, you know, Riley heard them because he had that tampon stuck in his nose, took a page out of Justin Hall's notebook and said, see ya, I'm going to end this game right now. We're not going to double overtime. What a shot off a Ryan O'Reilly faceoff win to the point. Straight shot in. Yes! And, like, what are they talking about? I mean, Morgan Riley's been fantastic in this series so far, and nobody else on that defensive core is meant to be offensive. Like they're not there for that. I mean, yeah, you'll get a shot here and there from McCabe or Brody or somebody that you can try to tip, but like, they're not trying to score. I mean, yeah, there's Lilligren for that. Yeah. Gustafson can do that, but those guys aren't playing. 
I was just going to say. They're really doubling down on, we want defensive defensemen out there. We want to make sure that the goalie's protected and none of these top-line guys like Kucherov and Stamkos and Point or, you know, anybody else are getting to the net. And I think it's worked so far. Our highest point D-man, Gustafson, and our highest goal scorer, Lily, at six goals in the regular season, you know, haven't played a single playoff game yet. And it would be a nice little weapon if we need a different look, that's for sure. But, hey, I'm still seeing Shin take his shots. And, you know, Riley, you know, it's just nice that Riley is stepping up in this aspect during the playoffs because Riley is definitely that fourth offensive mind going into the zone and controlling the point and hey he doesn't need a big shot uh the shot that went in was 60 mile per hour shot it was kind of like a lob shot right but the fact that nice had his ass right in vassy's face and it was a quick shot off the face off that's all you need to do just all pucks to the net try and fool the goaltender and why not give it a shot (laughs) yeah i think morgan riley's really figured out um, his internal struggle, I guess, to like be a leader on this team. I don't want that to come out the wrong way. Like he is a leader, obviously in the locker room and things, but I think being confident that he knows the game well enough to play like he has a veteran presence on the ice and trust his decisions instead Mm of, um, you know, playing like he's still coming up and finding his place. Like he is now, the leader of the defense on this team and assigned for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really clicked with him that, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, like he really has to kick it into a new gear, the same way that Matthews and Marner do to, uh, to help bring this team over the edge. Like it's not just the defensive game for him. Like he really has to contribute to all factors. For sure. And it's, it's really great to see it this year. Not that he hasn't done it in the past and he is good in the playoffs. I just, I feel like that extra step has been taken. I don't want it to feel like I'm I'm calling him a bad leader up until now. Like that's not at all what I'm saying. But no, it's nice to have that extra step taken and that support to the core because just like the bottom six, we have such faith in them and we know what they can do and we have faith in our D as well. And you know, Gary Bettman was at the game, so I, my tinfoil hat is speculating that we might see Wes McCauley next game. <laughs> if he didn't like what he saw, you never know, right? And you know, Tampa's going to bring it full force second game at home. And um, if we can have all cylinders firing, we need it. We need it. So happy for the guy. Yeah, Hondo P. Uh, the other one that's been playing really well and I thought was going to score one of these goals, especially in overtime, was uh, William Nylander. Mm. I'm not looking at it. What do you have, seven or eight shots? Seven, yeah. Seven. Yeah, that guy's been absolutely fantastic the whole series. He's just flying and really uh, – the last couple of games we commented on how he was like, the puck's going the other way? Okay, I'm going to the bench. And we were saying, you know, once the playoffs start, he's not going to be this guy. He's just yeah. chilling out. And in fact, that is what's happening. He has completely turned everything on. He's playing both sides of the puck. And uh, it's, it. Uh, man, I just want him to score a couple more. Me too. Man, we, we know that William Nylander thrives once he's hot, right? Like if he's on a hot streak, then he just gets fired up and it doesn't get to him. It's like he activates another level. So I'm here for it all day long. And game four is going to be cray cray because... Who knows what will happen next? Um, 
we're lucky we're fortunate that no one is injured besides murray right uh, unfortunately murray is still out so that kind of leads me to a question i got um after okay. the game from julian aubrey he says where is murray no update recently where the media where are the media who were right at the deadline saying you cannot rely and trust matt murray it is very much looking like the trade was a fail I mean, it's obviously tough to predict injuries, but when somebody has a history of it, you know, there is a, a bit of, you know, um, what, what what's the word? Uh, foresight you can have there. But, man, I hope they don't have to pay to get rid of the contract. I hope they don't go that route because if he is healthy, he's a great goalie. I just don't know if it's worth the money to have a sometimes good goalie that you have to rehabilitate while not giving an opportunity to somebody else. Like, I feel like it's not fair to Joseph Wall to have to wait for somebody that's, you know, yeah. I feel like it's something that comes up in jobs a lot, right? Where, you know, you're next in line and then there's a person ahead of you who gets all this leeway because, you know, they've been there for a long time and, you know, the, the company is invested in them and all this, but, you know, maybe they're not right anymore. And, uh, he can surprise us. Maybe he comes, maybe the Leafs make it to the third round. He's healthy and Samsonov goes down and, you know, he has to trade games back and forth with Joseph Wall and he's fantastic. Maybe that happens, right? Like it's totally possible if he's at that level of uh, rehabilitation in this injury. But, you know, if we don't see him till next year and, uh, maybe we don't have Samsonov, maybe it's Murray and Wall. Like, I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but it's, it's kind of a big question mark for sure. Joseph Wall is definitely climbing up the seniority list. Uh, he's making okay. every case, you know, in, in his favor. He's doing so well. Oh Signed man. Like until the end of 2025 on a league men. Yeah. So it's like, obviously the Leafs have, have gotten Murray for the playoffs for this reason. This guy has two cups. We we want to see him in action, but will he ever become available to be in action? And what if the Leafs, you know, knock on wood, they're out the first round and we never see that action? Maybe, in my opinion, management moves on in the summertime, especially if the injury's not looking too good. And because we have a lot of guys to sign, I mean, our entire bottom six nearly. And some D need a contract. Well, you've got Ilya Samsonov and Eric Schalgren are both RFAs at the end of the year. Um, and then the only one you have is Matt Murray with Joseph Wall. So Murray running out at the end of next year, 4.6875. Oh my gosh, that's a weird number. 5.7% of the cap on Matt Murray as of now. Mm -hmm. So if it costs them, I mean, what do they even have to get rid of pick-wise? Uh, pick they have... Uh, 2024 third round pick from the Islanders. Um, they have Boston's first this year and their own first next year. I mean, like, I don't know what it's going to cost to get rid of him. It could be one of those things like Morazic where it's, it's just like moving in the draft. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I just don't see to. after what we've seen from uh, the team's confidence in Samsonov and Wall and Shalgren. I don't see them keeping Matt Murray and letting Samsonov and Shalgren both go. So what if the Leafs win the cup? 
and Murray plays majority of the third and fourth round. Well, it's hard. It's it's a hard situation, honestly. I think it really depends on when and how often he plays. If he does, like, even then still, like, is he worth almost $5 million to keep next year while you let Ilya Samsonov walk? Like, that's the thing that's going to keep coming back. Like, I don't know what Sammy's going to ask for. He's currently on $1.8 million on a try-it-out year, and he's tried it out, and it's been good. So I don't know what his agent's going to turn that into. It could be four or $5 mm-hmm. million dollar contract, which is currently what Matt Murray has. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping three 3.5 times three or four for samsonov that would be ideal team friendly contract um getting rid of murray at the same time and maybe cutting ties with you know eric gustafson zach aston reese uh there's a there's a lot of names here right there's camp that needs a contract achari lafferty ryan o'reilly oh my god (laughs) (sighs) So a uh, quick little trivia question for you. How many of the Tampa Bay Lightning were in the top 15 of uh, most penalty minutes taken this year? And who are they? Oh, my God. Good question. I'm going to say top 50? Top 15. 15, sorry. Four? So there were three of them. Okay. Um, it's a while before I hit another one, so I'm going to stick to these three. So okay. in the top 15, it's actually the top 14. Who do you think they are? Um, I'm going to say Perry. Okay. Um, Cernak. Okay. And who? I'm going to say Sorelli. Okay, so with... Uh, the most in the league, number one, 150 penalty minutes, Patrick Maroon. Maroon, okay. <laughs> then uh, number eight with 107 penalty minutes, Tanner Janot. And wow. number 14, Corey Perry with 95. See, I didn't want to choose all of the hard-hitting heavy, heavy boys. Like, I thought this would be a little bit of a trick question with uh, Sorelli being a little rat. <laughs> but, yeah, makes sense completely. What's insane is with only 51 games played, Arbor Jackai is 12th with 101 penalty minutes. <laughs> Not surprised considering that he was a beast the first couple of months. Like the guy only fought his way out of the NHL this season, unfortunately, breaking his hand during a fight. So <laughs> that seems appropriate. This guy's like the new uh, Ty Domi. I'm just going to go out there and fight people, um, yeah. which is so unusual for this age. So Arizona's Liam O'Brien, not to be underestimated, at 56 games played, had 114 penalty minutes. Wow. That is crazy. Where's Gudis at? Um, Gudis, 32nd with okay. 79 penalty minutes. Where do you think the first Leaf ranks on this? Hmm. I'm going to, oh my God. Maybe two leaves in the top 25. Simmons, he didn't play a lot this no. year. No, yeah, he didn't play enough. Um, Bunting, yeah, Michael Bunting, 10th with 103. Luke yeah. Shen, 
Yeah. Uh, obviously not with the Leafs for most of this, but had uh, 84. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I was thinking Achari as well, but I, you know, I didn't really study their beginning seasons before trade deadline. So I wasn't sure with the new guys, but I obviously yeah. know that Shin lead, leads and hits. So that's kind of, uh, um, there's a correlation there. Oh my God. Last thing while I have this open, guess how many power play points uh, McDavid and Drysaddle had this year? McDavid is around 60 something, like 65. Mm -hmm. And Drysaddle, like 58. So to end the season off, they had a combined 133 power play points, McDavid with 71 and Drysaddle with 62. Nice. That is fucking crazy. Like more, more points than players have a lot of that, players. Literally, they they have more points on the power play than like most of the league. Like then here, actually, I'm curious. So at 71 points on the power play, that puts Connor McDavid as the 58th highest scorer in the league. With wow. uh, Martin Nietzsche's had 71, Adam <laughs> Fox had 72, Jared McCann had 70. So Thanks. it would put him in that rank with and Bo Horvat Kevin Fiala had 72 points Connor wow. McDavid had 71 on the power play that is crazy hey Darty absolutely crazy <laughs> oh testing okay. testing right. mic check one two one, one two how am I sounding all right I'm using these uh earbuds you sound fine okay so we're just to hop off here is there anything uh you want to share about your sentiments of this overtime win final that words Final words? Oh, man. What what can I say that I'm sure hasn't already been said? That was absolutely just thrilling, okay? That is exactly what we needed. We needed it so fucking bad. Go in there and win one. And once you've already won one, the monkey's off the back, right? Because, look, like this Tampa team, what was it? What was our issue last year that I actually brought up, but then uh, I guess Colorado took away, was that we couldn't beat Vassy in two, after two attempts, right? Every time he'd come back and and kick our ass. Well, yeah. we got him two. We got him two in a row. We're up two one now in the series. We won our first game in Tampa, which means we can win in Tampa, right? Yes. That's like that is a huge like stress relief right there. That like yes, it is possible to win, and not only is it possible to win at their home turf, but like we can pull it off in overtime. The Leafs have had like historical monumental struggles in overtime, so like this is. This is exactly what we need to see. Like, obviously, a blowout would have been nice. You know, a more dominating win in the in uh, yeah. re regulation would have been nice. But you know what? Those OT wins they mean so much, considering how shit they've been in overtime um, this past five years. So let's uh, let's give a round of applause to these boys. Like, you still got to win two more, but. Hey, I don't expect them to win the next game just because it is Tampa. We're not like you know we're all on our high horses right now, and you know it's the it's it's like. There's like a, that scene in the Game of Thrones where, you know, a uh, very famous Pedro Pascal right now, he's like being very, very cocky and, you know, really fucking with the big guy. And then all of a sudden he gets his head caved in. Like, we just need to be cautious that we're not, you know, playing too many games. All right. We got to win this fair and square. We got to win this, uh, win this the good way. And if, you know, if we can walk out of this, this first round with, uh, with, with some pride and some, and some patience and some, uh, you know, and some real struggle and like this, these guys, I've never seen them look like, I think these wins have been monumental for them. These wins have really been locker room wins. And if we're going to make it to the Stanley cup finals, let alone win the second round, 
you know, if we're going to actually have, you know, some power in the second round, these, these type of wins, this grit, this determination is exactly what we need to push us. You know, like I'm sure last year we would have been happy winning, winning those series, all, all, all those series, the, you know, game sevens, but they, we know the Leafs were garbage. We knew the Leafs were, you know, they were kind of just like hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Right. But this yeah. year really feels like these guys actually want to win. Like these fights, like this is, I said, monumental. Like we have not seen it like this where the Leafs don't just look like, yeah, Matthews got fucking dragged. Yeah, Justin Hall <laughs> gets his face caved in every now and then. But we're seeing that from this entire team, like these guys want to put their, you know, their, their absolute money where their mouth is and show the show everyone else, shut up, we're here to win. And I'm for it. Yeah. And last time we, it was when we saw Spezza taking all the fights for these guys, right? And I think that's why we're not seeing Simmons is it's it's not the responsibility of these old guys to take all these fights for you. Like stick up for yourself, stick up for your stars and go out there to win. And honestly, it's great to see, like we talked about before, you know, everyone from Marner, Matthews, Hall, you know, whoever it is getting involved with people. Uh, yeah. Another thing you brought up about not getting comfy with the wins I feel like that's kind of what happened between game two and into this game was they, they had the big blowout win in game two and then they got too comfortable and started this game off like shit. And uh, I think I'm hoping at least that having to fight for the comeback and win a game they didn't deserve to uh, kind of resets them to come into the next game with, uh, you know, the right attitude out of the gate. Yeah. And if they can, uh, knock on wood, if they can take another one here, yeah. it's, it's going to be huge. I have a clip from the voice of Leafs Nation's passion. Okay, guys. I haven't even heard it yet, but I'm sure it will be very good. 47.7 seconds to go in it. Face off to the right. Uh, Vasilevsky won by Toronto. Shot from the point. They score on a Seagull shot by Mo. Mo, 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 Riley. The Leafs win it in overtime. Oh, that's fantastic. I hadn't heard that yet. So that's how I was listening to it. And and at that point, I wasn't sure because he said, Mo, 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 Riley. I, I felt like just because, especially too, because he also said, money. he said, he said point there for a second. I know it was a shot from the point, but he, you know, you know how it is with, you know, you're listening on the radio. Like maybe something gets stolen, but you know, I don't know who's out, out there. I'm listening from the radio. Right. So I'm like, yeah. wait, so did Mo pass it to Riley or did like, you know, O'Reilly or did Mo Riley shoot <laughs> like what are you saying there what are you saying there Joe tell me is it is it Morgan Riley is it O'Reilly is it brain point like what, what the fuck's going on right now because you know especially when they say centering pass and shit like that over the over the radio I'm like all right let me just pick like let me just picture what all of this means in my head and and then it's just like a big question mark and then you know you just see you just see like two NHL 06 players like you know a big circle passing to the next big circle and you're like okay I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like listening to the radio, listening to the radio, like you yeah. really have to work with your own imagination, right? Like they do such a great job explaining every little detail. So you kind of know what it would look like, but it's still like you do, you're still working with a lot. And like, sometimes they just don't, you're, you're not a hundred percent sure. I said like, is it, is it Morgan Riley? Is it Rhino Riley? Like, did he pass to Morgan Riley? <laughs> did he pass to Ryan Riley? What's going on here? <laughs> True. All that matters is that all the Rileys and O'Reilly's have, the passion and uh holy shit I'm excited for the next game tm tml <laughs> tml fan and van TML. Marty Zelstra. 
Shout out. Always sneak it in there. Um, I actually, I saw somebody post, um, it was like a worst tattoos. I want to see if I can find it, but it was Ooh. they had the TML thing. Did you guys see this one? The stick and poke 2023 cham, cup chams? No, it's just like, oh, fuck, where is it? It's that TML logo from like 2000. Like, they, yeah. They, <laughs> like the, what is it? Like the silver kind of. Here, silver here I got it. Logo. I got it. So this was posted in r slash Ottawa by user uh, AC58563, shout out. Um, so here it is, if you can see it. Okay. I was thinking of a different one. It's actually kind of so cute, though. Like, I, I, like the other one that I saw was terrible. I think the one that Steph and I both saw where it said, like, Leafs 2023, and it had, like, a really shitty, like, Stanley Cup. <laughs> Sorry, fella. It's, it's kind of a <laughs> shitty tattoo. And I, I know I have shitty tattoos. So it was, uh, anybody know a good cover-up tattoo artist around the city? And uh, the best comment by far, with 282 upvotes, uh, by Vandalay. Shout out Seinfeld fans. Uh, I wouldn't worry. It'll disappear in May. <laughs> that is, you know, even as a Leaf fan, that is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, I told our friend Katie that if the Leafs get to the second round, we are getting tattoos. So I hope it's happening. And I will gladly wear mine. Okay. <laughs> Proudly. Okay, um, if anything, you know, if if the unthinkable and unspeakable happens, I'll get a tattoo. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Okay, we got to be out of here. I'm. Uh, it's midnight here. I'm an hour and a half ahead. So, good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back uh, after the next game. And Tomorrow. if it goes over time, uh, you know, same deal. We'll wait a day. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Love y'all. Uh, the episode won't be posted for another hour. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Steph blew herself. Many Smurfs died to make this hair happen, and uh, it was a fail. So uh, Smurf Massacre up in her, on my hair. Tish and Snooky's Manic Panic. Everybody's done it. <laughs> Actually, it was one from Amazon. It had really good reviews, and I didn't want to bleach my hair, so uh, this is what Wait, we got. You put stuff from Amazon in your hair? It was a legit one, not Manic okay. Panic, guys. I'm not 15. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for that use, isn't that, like, kind of what it's It's for? semi-permanent. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be a real... Okay, my summer highlights aren't here, so the, dark, the top is dark, and the, the bottom is more blue and lighter because... I'm more highlighted on the bottom, but the winter shade is still. Anyway, you guys, uh, yeah, you all needed to know that. Yeah, night. <laughs> night.